0: breaking
1: news from the athletic this headline podcast is presented by betmgm the king of sports books this is chris vanini i'm here with nicole back from the athletic for some breaking news on name image and likeness in college sports nicole what's the latest
2: well it's now official the ncaa's uh, board of directors finally approved the interim NIL policy, which means that athletes in all 50 states will be able to make money off of their names, their images, their likenesses. They can do camps. They can do sponsorships, endorsements, all as of July 1. So this was basically at the 11th hour. This was passed um, because there's a bunch of states that are set to take effect. And so now it doesn't matter if you are in a state that has a state NIL law or if you're not, you will be able to do sponsorships, do endorsement, runs camps, sponsored Instagram posts, whatever this is going to look like, you're able to do it and not lose your NCAA eligibility.
1: Yeah, this has been going on for a couple of years now, it feels like. There there have been incremental updates on whether it was going to happen, what different people thought. Then California in 2019 passes its first state law that really kickstarts things. Got a handful of states that jump in on board, and that really ramps up the pressure on the NCAA, who then turns to Congress to make a federal law for everybody to abide by. And in stunning turn of events, Congress could not agree on something. And that left the NCAA kind of holding the bag. And in the end, we get a kind of very vague and broad, slap together interim policy the day before this is supposed to happen. So good luck to schools and all those compliance departments. Uh, trying to figure this out uh, as the flood of endorsements are about to come in, uh, starting on July first.
2: Yeah, there isn't really a ton of guidance. Um, this is one of the major pieces of feedback I've been getting over the last week or two. Is schools don't entirely know exactly what the rules are related to this because essentially what the NCAA did was saying like, hey, we have this rule in place that said, you know. If you sign an endorsement deal, you are ineligible. Like, it's against rules that you're not an amateur. And we're basically getting rid of that rule. That's the extent of the guidance. They're basically just saying you can't have pay for play. So you can't tell, Chris, I can't say, hey, I'll pay you $100 for each touchdown you catch. Can't do that. And I also can't say, hey, I'll pay you $20,000 if you commit to um, University of Nicole. Can't do that. That's it. That those are like that that's basically <laughs> it for the rules. And part of the reason they had to do this was because the Supreme Court just ruled that the NCAA is subject to antitrust laws just like everybody else. So you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't essentially collude, get everybody together as the NCAA, all their member schools and say, "We're going to add all these restrictions to cap people's compensation and their their opportunities in a free market." That's part of why this is so broad, but also, because this was done at the 11th hour with all these different state laws that have differences in the way that they're written, and now you have this patchwork of different rules, different laws. It's exactly what the NCAA and President Mark Emmert have been saying would be the worst case scenario, was to have all different rules in all different states. And right now, you have at least 10 different states that are going to have their state laws, because a state law takes precedence over the NCAA rule. And then, you know, 30 to 40 states are going to follow this rule, which is basically the schools can set their own policies. So things are going to be very different depending on where you are. And that's exactly what the NCAA did not want to happen when they've been kind of raising alarm bells about this whole process over the last two, three years.
1: The real ironic part of all of this is that the state laws put the pressure on the NCAA to do something. Mm Mm-hmm. But they put out something so broad and vague that in some ways the NCAA's policy is less restrictive than some of the state laws. And, and, and so depending on what state you're in, you may or may not be able to do certain things. And if there's one thing we know about college sports is that they absolutely follow every letter of the law when it comes to recruiting and inducing players. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and there's certainly no shenanigans ever uh, going on behind the scenes. So, so what does this mean now? So July 1st tomorrow this can happen. What what are we going to see from college athletes? What are we going to see on our on our Twitter timelines, our Instagram feeds, billboards? Well, what are the kinds of things we're going to see now?
2: So, let's let's jump back to the NFL draft because I think it's actually pretty telling process because these are the athletes who weren't able to do stuff like this. And now all of a sudden they're pros. They're about to be drafted. They're very marketable. So I keep thinking about Trevor Lawrence's timeline because there was like a period of like at least a week where every day it was like, here's my new endorsement with like Gatorade. Here's my new endorsement with Bose headphones. Like no, they're not going to be that type of brands right out of the gate with college athletes, but it's going to be stuff like that. Like they were basically like little promotional tweets and you know maybe he had a code that someone could use or it was like a you know poster of him drinking Gatorade or a commercial or a little digital short whatever it was it could be stuff like that when you're talking about endorsements and sponsorships you're also going to see a ton of sponsored Instagram posts that's probably the easiest way to do it least time-consuming way to do it brand reaches out said we'll pay you $500 to wear this t-shirt and tag us and you post and you do it that way um, I think you're probably going to see people shouting out restaurants that might comp meals, you know, local restaurants in town. I think a big money driver is going to be camps. If you think about it, again, get your mind out of just star fo- football quarterbacks, golf, golf players, tennis players. All of these other athletes in Olympic sports can run camps now and get paid for it. So a golf a golfer can give you lessons, can can run a small camp in their hometown where they're probably you know one of the most well known athletes in that town, right? Everyone's got a hometown. There's going to be marketing opportunities there. Um, I could sign up for tennis lessons from a Division One tennis player and pay her. All of those types of things are going to be allowed to happen. Again, it just can't be directly tied to athletic performance, but you're going to see a lot of stuff. I mean, gymnasts, women's basketball players, volleyball players, whenever you look at these lists of like the most followed um, athletes in college sports on social media, there are these women's athletes that we don't think about or talk about this way, but like gymnastics has an insane, insanely dedicated, intensely loyal following. Some of those gymnasts have you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, all of that makes them very marketable and they'll be able to command certain rates. But yeah, we'll probably see billboards. We'll probably see some more older fashioned, um, marketing as well. But I think you're going to see a lot of it on social Graham Mertz, Wisconsin quarterback, um, and some Nebraska players as well have logos, you know, and trademarked things. I mean, I think you're going to see merch from these athletes as well. They're going to sell stuff with their logos It's going to be a variety of different things. I think a lot of this, we'll we'll see some of the stuff that's been in the works that gets announced on July 1, but I also think that some of this stuff is going to grow over time or we'll see it by the fall as some of the other companies that need to decide if they want to get involved in college athletics, decide where they want to spend their money from a marketing standpoint.
1: Yeah, and you made the point, this isn't just the star quarterback who's going to be doing this. This is going to be very beneficial for a lot of uh, women's athletes in, in in the various sports that you mentioned that it this this doesn't fall under Title Nine. This is this is completely separate from the school. This is not the schools paying yep. players. So that's why it's whatever the market tells you you're worth. And there there have been you know how much does does it does it, do you get paid for for promoting headphones or something like that? It, it how are they going to know whether this is for recruiting? How are they going to know trying to induce a player to do something? We don't really know. This is going to be kind of the wild, wild west at the beginning. Um, but it's going to be an eventful really first month, I think, as everybody kind of figures this out. Then maybe when football season starts, we see more of it. But you mentioned the camps. I mean, we're in July now. Players are home. They can do camps suddenly, just like right off the bat, sitting yep. at home. So there's, there's a lot that's going to go on. What, what do you think are the long-term ramifications of this, whether it's recruiting, whether it's um, other stuff like that?
2: Yeah, I do think some of the recruiting concerns are just coaches being terrified of a recruiting disadvantage. But I also think that it's possible if you see a school that does a really good job setting up its athletes for success, helps them build their brands, helps them partner, well, not helps them directly partner, but helps them set themselves up to be an attractive partner for good brands in the area, you might see that. Play into factor as, as people are making decisions. If if people see the Nebraska quarterback, you know, has lined up great deals and you know is is able to make some money and sets him up well for his life after football, like maybe if you're debating between Nebraska and a school that doesn't do that, you, that becomes a factor. I think ultimately it's just going to shift the way that we think about college sports. That's what 2021 really is. It's about challenges to the system, to amateurism. The NCAA has long argued that people like college sports so much and are attached to it because they're not paid, because this is like the love of the game, the purity. This was the same argument that people used about the Olympics in the 70s. I don't think this is going to change any of that. We still watch the Olympics and still root for, you know, the players representing Team USA because, you know, we're Americans. We don't I'm not going to not pull for a player at my alma mater because I know he just signed a ten thousand dollar deal with like a local gym. Like that's not going to impact any of that. So I, I think that it's probably going to just shift again the way that we talk about this, the way that we think about it. And it's the next evolution of this sport. I think it's also very possible that it is less of a major fundamental shift and thing that we're thinking about every single day than we think. I think it's possible in a year that this just becomes the new normal and we don't freak out about it every single day. Kind of like cost of attendance stipends and some of the other you know, blips on the radar now looking back. I think it's just, it, it had to happen. Um, obviously, there were states pressuring, there were other federal legislators, there's courts, everything was pressuring the NCAA to get to this point. And it just feels fair. If athletes um, are the only population on campus that can't do stuff like this, can't do a sponsored Instagram post, then it's just not fair. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is a major, major, major shift. It's going to change the way we talk and think about college sports. We don't have to use the word amateurism all the time anymore but i think everything's going to be fine there will still be college football games in the fall people will still watch them and i think people will actually ethically probably feel a little bit better about watching these players knowing that they are finally able to get a little bit of a cut that so many other people have made money off of
1: yeah we'll get used to this like we like we get used to everything else and and yeah like you said they're, they're supposed if they're supposed to be students a normal student can get paid for posting something on twitter or something like that so now now they are actually like all the other students, because this is the most valuable time. To- for, for many, this is the most valuable time of their life when they, when they have the most value in their name and their image and their likeness, and now they can make money off of that beginning on July 1st. So thanks for joining our breaking news coverage. Go to the Athletics Headlines section for much more on the story and hear more. Ask your Google Assistant to play news from The Athletic. You can also visit theathletic.com slash pod to join for just $3.99 per month.